They've watched Citizen Kane a combined 200 times. Elliot's first words were, I personally thought the use of Dutch angles was derivative in the 400 blows. In Nathan's favorite historical figure is Fritz Lang. Now they're bringing that snootiness to you with Magellan's at the Movies. Elliot, uh, happy birthday. You got so many well wishes from our fans. Uh, just hundreds and hundreds of them. Wow, that's amazing. Thanks. Yeah, how does it feel to be 22, the big 2-2, two, two, the Taylor Swift year? I think she's got a song about feeling 22. Uh, I feel just like Taylor Swift, honestly. Um, no way. Just a, just a, a, a small town girl. Up against the world. That's smoke. Isn't that what I thought that Taylor Swift what is she not a small town girl? I don't even know. I mean, she's a small town girl in that she was raised by like a millionaire father in Memphis, Tennessee. But she sells herself as a small town girl. So that's Whoa, true. whoa, whoa. Alienating all the Taylor Swift fans, Nathan. Whatever, I'm not, she still, she can make good music and be, you know, uh, not fully open about <laughs> who she actually is as a person. Duplicitous what? is the word you're looking for. Yes, a tad duplicitous. But I love Lord, and apparently she grew up in like the Beverly Hills of New Zealand. And she writes music about being, you know, one of those crazy teens. <laughs> well, this is weird. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was going to ask you uh, if you got any fun gifts for your birthday, but apparently you did not receive any, which is tough. I, I, I didn't get you a gift, so. It's fine. Ellie, if you need to cry, you can on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> It's, no, like, I, it's like the opposite of an angry gamer. It's a sad reviewer. Every time they mention a movie, they just start bawling. No, I'll, I'll save that for the old pillow. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> all right. Well, Elliot, this uh, this is exciting. We can talk about movies instead of all that nonsense. But this is exciting. We're we're doing a recent movie, very very recent movie, our first one since. I think Jurassic World was the only other one we reviewed while it was still in theaters. Yeah. But yeah, we are reviewing this week Scream 6. So Elliot, you're a bit more familiar with this franchise than me in the sense that you've been following it for longer than I have. I think you went to the fifth one in theaters, right? Yipper. And I just, just last week, I watched two through five, and then I went to this new one. On your recommendation, in fact, you said I should, and so I did. And we'll see how that paid out here in this review. <laughs> but Elliot, why don't you uh, give, us, give us a bit of a plot breakdown here for the people who maybe are unfamiliar with Scream and uh, unfamiliar with Scream 6. Uh, well, Scream is a pretty storied franchise at this point. It's obviously six movies and a few decades old. So I won't go too in-depth on the broader narrative. But the general story is that in the first Scream, Sidney Prescott uh, is a high schooler who's haunted, hunt, haunted and hunted by someone in a ghost face mask and black robe uh, who is uh, killing people. And it turns out to be, spoiler alert, her boyfriend Ooh. working with uh, a, another one of her friends, uh, Billy and Stu, Billy Loomis and Stu Mocker. And then that sort of spawns 
a never-ending series of copycat killers, all of whom take up the title Ghostface, wear the same mask, use the same weapon, uh, and use the same voice modulator that makes their voice sound all uh, smooth and creepy. The voice famously provided by Roger L. Jackson. So that happens for, you know, decades now. Uh, and then in the reboot, the requel, Scream 5, technically Scream 5, it was just called Scream, uh, there was a sort of passing of the torch to a new generation of survivors, the, in this case, the Carpenter sisters, Tara and Samantha. Uh, and now in Scream 6, we meet Tara and Samantha along with their friends, two of their friends who also survived the last movie, uh, the twins, Mindy and Chad. They've moved to New York, and Samantha is very deeply affected by her experience, and so she's kind of gone into full survival mode while her sister just sort of wants to forget what happened, which is leading to conflict between them. Another source of tension is the fact that there are conspiracy theories online that hold that Samantha was Ghostface in the previous movie, and she had framed the actual killers uh, who were Amber, who was a friend of Tara's, and Richie, who was Samantha's boyfriend at the time. And into all of this comes, wouldn't you know it, someone in a Ghostface mask who is a serial Whoa! killer. So no the movie is about, uh, just like all of the other movies, the movie is about the main characters trying to figure out who the killer is because all of these movies are whodunits. And uh, so it's about them trying to dodge Ghostface as he whittles down their friend group, working his way towards the main sisters for for reasons unknown. Yeah, that's a pretty broad stroke sort of what Scream is about. I think it's always driven by... Uh, a very meta sense. It's a very self-aware sort of franchise, or at least it claims to be or tries to be. And this is no different. There's always a scene with some movie nerd explaining how horror movies work or how horror movie sequels work or how horror movie requel sequels work. So all of, all of the stuff is in place, prim and proper, here in Scream 6. So, Elliot, let's let's get into opening thoughts. I think you like this movie a lot more than me. I'll give my sort of opening thoughts here. Uh, I think this movie is pretty good. I think all the Scream movies are pretty good, so this one, like all of them, is a fairly decent movie. I was somewhat disappointed with it for various reasons that we're going to get into kind of further down the line but the biggest one is it's a real there's a real lack of originality and risk in this movie which i think is detrimental to it being a good screen movie because i think the franchise was kind of built on very risky and inventive twists and ideas that i don't see as much in this specific movie but what are your opening thoughts, Elliot? You're making a face like a grumpy turtle at me. That's because I feel like a grumpy turtle right now. That's all stupid. Uh, you know, as per usual, Nathan's just talking nonsense. Um, I like this movie quite a bit. Uh, I think that Ghostface is a cool antagonist across all of these movies. And I love Roger L. Jackson's uh, voice portrayal of him. Um, I really thought that the Carpenter sisters came into their own in this movie. In the previous one, I found their dynamic and their individual characters to be fairly generic, sappy, kind of, oh, we're so lovey-dovey sister kind of thing. In this movie, they felt much more distinct as characters. Um, their dynamic was much more natural, and they were just more compelling and likable as a pair and as individuals. I also really like Chad. I think he's a great, funny character. I'm not so convinced about Mindy, to be honest, but, you know, she's not terrible. I thought this movie was really funny. 
There were a lot of really clever moments, just little moments that I really enjoyed. Uh, it was all genuinely scream. Um, and so we've talked about the, our thoughts on this movie before now, and the conclusion that I came to is that I was that we were sort of looking for different things for this movie, and I was just looking for I was just looking for scream, an authentic scream experience as well as looking to see if Scream could survive without who has thus far been the driving engine of the entire series in Sidney Prescott. Um, And I think it succeeded in that metric. It also brings back some of the uh, Scream chases. I love uh, Scream chases when Ghostface is running around... um, a building chasing people around and getting beat all the heck up. I always find that extremely hilarious. And yeah, I just thought that this was a really fun, funny scream movie. All right. Well, firstly, I don't appreciate you <laughs> dismissing my opinions. Well, just have That's better opinions weird. then. Sure, sure. I guess to get us started, we can talk about some positives before we get into, I guess it sounds like maybe my negatives and not so much your negatives. Uh, I think for some positives, the first, I'd say like 40 or 50 minutes of this movie, I was having a ton of fun. I think the opening is really good. It's not as, it was somewhat spoiled for me what was going to happen in the opening by you. (laughs) You were asking me questions. (laughs) But I think this opening is really cool with the ghost face fake out, as well as, of course, the iconic uh, famous actress being murdered in the opening, in this case, Samara Weaving. But I I thought the opening was really good. And then a lot of the initial sort of setup. I thought I really enjoyed. I thought it was much funnier than I had found some of the other screen movies. I really loved Gail dodging Sam's punch and then getting hit by Tara. I thought that was so funny and a great, like very clever callback. And pretty much up until the scene where Ghostface attacks them in their apartment and they escape through a ladder over an alleyway which was maybe one of my favorite Scream set pieces ever. I just thought it was an amazing use of tension, and I was on the edge of my seat the entire time, and everyone was yelling, and I was getting really into it. Pretty much up until that point, it was one of my favorite Screams yet, and then I think from that point on, the movie gets progressively more uh, generic and uninteresting. But what did, what did you think of that sort of first moments in the opening and such? Um, I thought it was a good subversion. It was a good way to keep <clears throat> the opening fresh-ish, obviously. So every Scream, Scream, the first Scream, in case you didn't know, rather famously heavily marketed the involvement of Drew Barrymore as one of its leading ladies. Uh, Drew Barrymore was a big star at the time, and she dies in the very first scene of the movie. So that was a that was a famous uh, bait and switch that the movie pulled. And ever since then, every scream has started with the murder of a famous actress. Uh, Except for three. Yeah, because that's a famous actor. Yes. Sorry, I... Oh, right, yeah. Uh, I was just... For a second, I was like, wait... D- did, did that not happen in Scream 2? But yeah, Jada Pinkett Smith dies in the yes. beginning of Scream 2. Um, yeah, I thought it was funny. I what when he took off his mask, at first I was like, oh wow, what's gonna happen now? But it was when it followed him, when it followed him after the murder, I immediately clocked, oh, so so this is just a fake out, and he's going to be killed by the actual ghost face of this movie. But, you know. I'm always down for listening to uh, the many famous phone conversations of these movies. Ghostface, iconically, is that a word? Can you use iconic that way? Yeah. As an adverb. 
Ghostface iconically likes to talk to his victims, especially over the phone, um, with his special voice thingy that makes him sound like Roger L. Jackson. Um, and I always find Ghostface to be really funny and cool in his uh, foul-mouthed, um, like, insults. Like, he, he's, he's, he's sort of like a schoolyard bully to his victims rather than being, you know, outright terrifying or hostile. I should say that one of the things I like about these movies is that they're not all that scary. Um, I would call them horror comedies rather than just straight horror movies. Um, and yeah, they're, they're just, they're, they're, they're too, the characters are too quirky and the proceedings are too lighthearted for this to be really all that genuinely moving as horror. But I really like that about these movies. And yeah, I thought that it was uh, it was a good conversation. I did, yeah, I, I liked the opening. I also like Ghostface's <laughs> weird beat up mask uh, that's in the in the tradition of the Halloween reboot, which had a very similar thing with Michael Myers's mask being all old and uh, weird looking. Sure. So now, Elliot, let's uh, let's go to maybe the second. I think if the opening is the iconic, one of the iconic parts of Scream, one of the next most iconic parts is, of course, the reveal, the whodunit reveal. The original Scream obviously had one of the most iconic twists of all time, that it was two people portraying one person, which I think is one of the best twists, maybe in movie history, just because it was so groundbreaking and it's one of those great twists that doesn't operate on like it operates on a level that it's only a twist in the sense that you've been conditioned by movies to think a certain thing is true like i you know this wasn't the first time that multiple people perpetrated something obviously murder on the orient express very famously has multiple perpetrators of one crime but i think it was probably one of the first times in a horror movie where they use that, and they use it to great effect. Uh, I guess my question would be, what did you think of the twist of this movie, and who turned out to be Ghostface in Scream 6? Uh, I would call it sort of... It was okay. So I guess, are we going to do spoilers here? Yeah, I don't see any way we can tell. I mean, I'm going to start dissing this movie for a bunch of spoiler-related things, so I don't see how there's any way we can avoid uh, spoilers. Okay, well, we'll just say that uh, spoiler talk begins here. Uh, the general thoughts are, I I like it a lot. Nathan is less impressed with it, so you can skip to recommendations now if you want to put any kind of work into your listening experience. <laughs> Yeah, so the the twist is, so the in-movie twist is that it is the cop who they have been working with throughout this entire movie. It is him, his daughter, and his son. So the meta twist is that there's three killers instead of two. The in-movie twist is that it's the cop, his daughter, who we thought had died in that scene that you were talking about, the one where they escape the apartment via a ladder, and the son, who had been, up until that point, a complete non-character in the movie. Like, he was barely in it at all. And, of course, we uh, we did not know that the son and the sister were related, or the son and the father were related. They, yeah. And, of course, at this point, as in all the Scream movies, people who had up until that point, been fairly well-adjusted seeming characters completely let their freak flag fly and reveal themselves to be complete sociopaths. Except for the first one. Billy was always sort of a creepy character, and Stu always <laughs> acted like a total nutcase. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought, I, I liked the idea of the, of the, the cop being the the killer, I liked the idea of it, of the motivation being he was Richie's father, uh, Richie from the fifth movie, 
Uh, and so it was a family thing, even though they did take that from Scream 2, where Billy Loomis's mother was one of the killers. Uh, I was less excited about the daughter and son, Quinn and Ethan, I think are their names. Quinn being the sister, Ethan being the brother. Quinn, because I didn't understand how he was able to fake her death, like the logistics, the mechanics of that didn't make a lot of sense to me, how he was able to, like, he said that he had swapped out her body or something. How? How did he sneak a dead body onto a crime scene? <laughs> oh. um, yeah, and then also, Ethan, like I said, he just hadn't been a character up until that point, and honestly... Neither had Quinn, so um, I just di I just didn't have any feelings towards them, and it's sort of similar to the problem that you have that I I agree with uh, in Scream Two. The second killer is Mickey, who was a classmate of Sydney's, who is barely in the movie, so there's really no like you're just like yeah, it's that guy. I I barely even <laughs> recognize him, so I guess good job. Um, so yeah, I liked the the cop part of it because he was so invested in the investigation. Uh, that's a pun. Up until that point that I definitely didn't see him coming. And then the other two, I was just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Well, and this kind of ties back to my whole issue that at the end of the day, it's just a very generic screen movie with very little in terms of innovation. I mean, there's three, which is sort of neat, but like, it's not like they do anything with the fact that there's three, right? I mean, Quinn is dead or supposed to be dead for most of the film. So there's not really, they don't gain anything in the same way that in the original Scream, there being two was important because they thought it was Billy and then Ghostface killed another person while Billy was in custody. So there being two was crucial to them, right? Making you think it wasn't Billy. Whereas in this movie, there's three just because there's three, but there's not much in the movie uh, leveraging the fact that there's three, I guess. Which I'm not a huge fan of. I think their motivation, like you said, it's the same as Scream 2. So it's literally like, okay, we've seen this before which they also kind of already did in Scream 5, that the killer was the boyfriend, which is the same twist as Scream 1. So if in Scream 3, if they meet a director, I mean, we can just peg the... Or in Scream 7, if they meet a director, we can just peg that guy right <laughs> slipping away. So I, I thought the twist was kind of lame. I thought of a lot of way better twists in my head while watching the movie that that Elliot is not as impressed with. Mainly because they're not all that impressive. I just think they would have been more surprising and cool. I mean, they spend, they spend a lot of time making you think that Kirby is going to be one of the killers and they Kirby being a character they've brought back from Scream 4, but they go a bit too hard in it at the last, at the last moment they lean too hard into, Oh, it's Kirby. So I knew it wasn't Kirby which was bad on them. Let's talk about my other issue with this movie. No one of any importance dies in it, despite the fact that Mindy says at the beginning that anyone can die in a new franchise, whatever. No one dies, even characters who really should die or are certainly given enough injuries that you would think that they would die. And so it makes the whole movie feel kind of I don't know, weak, lame. It, it feels like the screenwriters didn't have any, you know, balls to kill anyone who matters. Because they they have two separate, like, oh, this person's dead, fake outs. And it's so lame. Uh, yeah, this is a problem that I do share, albeit not to the same extent. I do think that this movie, in dealing its characters such such brutal injuries, but keeping them alive suffers from the same reduction of stakes that Fast and the Furious movies suffer from, where people, when people 
are defying death so blatantly and constantly, there's really no stakes when they're in danger. Because you're like, well, I, I just saw this person, you know, drive a car out of a building or whatever. And that's so plainly impossible that the idea of them ever being in trouble again is just does not register as a concern. Especially for Chad, who really, he he got stabbed many, many, many times. And I was legitimately sad. I was like, oh man, that, that really sucks. I really liked that character. And now I'm sad. So when he did come back, I was like kind of relieved, but also kind of like, oh, well, I, I thought I was feeling things, but now, now I don't get to feel things. Mindy honestly had kind of the same problem because she received an almost identical wound to what her girlfriend received, but seemed to fare a lot better from it. You know, two stabs to the gut. Um, and yeah, I, I am not sure why they let Gail survive. Um... I don't know if they just don't want to make a clean break from the original cast because she doesn't serve – it serves no narrative purpose for her to survive. She never comes back into the movie after she dies. And I've mentioned this before to you. Her survival kind of feels like a reshoot in that sense that they have the one shot of the paramedic saying – I'm getting a pulse, and then they mention that she's expected to make it at the very end of the movie, but she doesn't reappear at all. So I, I honestly have to wonder if that was added in after the bulk of the movie shooting was done. Well, and Gail, I mean, she really doesn't even do much in the movie. Like, she shows up, it turns out she's written a book about the stuff in the last one, kind of once again, putting her back in the same place that she is in all of these movies, that she's uh, kind of a, a bit of a vulture reporter who's profiting off of these people's misery and her own misery in a lot of cases. And then for some reason, they don't let her come on the stakeout, but they let Ethan come. Why? I mean, Gail is certainly more qualified than Ethan, and then the scene where Gail gets attacked is really cool. I love her star 69ing the guy and then shooting him is so funny. That's, it's that's just unfortunate. That's honestly one of my, that might be my favorite moment in the whole movie. I thought that was hilarious and really clever. And I absolutely loved Ghostface saying, what? As she was hanging <laughs> up on him. Well, and I think it's very in character for Gail that she's shown herself in these movies to be one of the more intelligent people <laughs> in terms of the survivors, that Dewey was always a bit of a ditz, and it was kind of a miracle he survived as long as he did. And then Sydney was always just, you know, the main character, so she was going to survive regardless. But Gail, had, you know, she had to do some work to make it through some of these movies. Good thing so, Ghostface had his ringer on. Yeah, no kidding. If he had his, if he had his phone on vibrate, like I always do, twenty four seven, he would have been able to get her even easier. Well, maybe it was, maybe it was, you know, the elderly cop father. I mean, I know that my father's hearing is not good enough to know when his phone <laughs> is ringing on vibrate. Yeah, that's very, very likely, Elliot. But yeah, Gail surviving and Gail just generally being in the movie doesn't serve much of a function, especially if she doesn't die. Then it's just she was there just to show up and harass the Carpenter twins or the Carpenter sisters and then leave. And then that's it. Which is, again, my issue with the whole movie is it was entertaining for sure. And I enjoyed portions of it. But it's it got it finished, and I was kind of sitting there like, what was the point? Like, what was the point of all that stuff? Like, no one died. Uh, the villains weren't all that inventive or cool. Like when the twist came, I was like, okay, yeah, checks out. Those two, 
I really, I'll tell you guys now what I wanted. I really wanted Chad to be the murderer. I really thought. Oh my gosh. That is not happening. I just, I, when he, when it was just him and Tara stand, like flirting or whatever, and he went in for the kiss, I thought for sure he was going to stab her. Cause I was like, this would make so much sense to me. So when Nathan and I, Nathan, when Nathan watched Scream 5, I was there and I watched it with him. And he was, in terms of his guesses of who the killer was, he was an absolute machine gun. He was just calling out every single character as a possibility. <laughs> and then somehow he, he thought that that qualified him for bragging rights when two of the people that he randomly guessed did indeed end up being the killer. But yeah, if you're suspecting the entire cast, you're gonna be right. Okay, for the record, my prediction was the twins and Amber, and I was right on Amber. No, you discarded Amber as a possibility. No, but I I re I redrew her <laughs> later and I didn't mention it to you. Right. It's it's like when we used to watch Wheel of Fortune and we would say, Oh yeah, I guessed that, you know, on the first vowel, but I, I just didn't mention it. I didn't mention it. I couldn't pause it and inter- I was in the invested in the movie. I didn't have time uh-huh. to pause it and give you a, a whole discourse on who I thought it was. Oh, give me a break. No, I, um. I think that – so my fondness for this movie comes from, I think, three main areas, two of them uh, sort of spawning from the from the first one. The first one being that I really like this as a genuine, authentic Scream experience. The whole movie just feels very Scream to me, and because this is a franchise that I'm very fond of and a formula that I'm very fond of, I – was much more willing to embrace that uh, than Nathan was. And the other two things are two things that I think Scream has always done very well and that have always attracted me to the series, and that's characters and set pieces. Um, I just really liked most of the characters in this movie. The The core four, uh, I, A, I thought that was a really cute moment, and B, I, I like them. I really like Chad. I like Mason. What's his name? Mason Gooding, I think. Something like that. Yes. Yeah, son of Cuba Gooding Jr. Uh, I really like him. He's very charismatic and a very physical performer. He does a lot of gestures and stuff that give his character a lot of energy and life. I really like Jenna Ortega. She is so small, by the way. She's minuscule. <laughs> she she yeah, looks she's like a, she's a short little gal. She is very short. But yeah, I like Tara and Samantha. I like their dynamic. I like them as individuals. They both, you know, Samantha is a lot more serious, but she doesn't seem dour, kind of like she did in the fifth movie. And the, you know, we're really close loving sisters thing felt a lot more genuine in this one because it was actually shown more than told. And also because there was a lot more believable tension uh, in their relationship than in the fifth one where they just had that one fight about Sam having left and that was kind of it. In this one, it was much more satisfying to see their relationship develop through conflict. Yeah, I don't like Mindy very much. She seems like really inappropriately cavalier about people dying and she she just at times seems really mean-spirited, honestly. The actress playing her is definitely doing a good job. Like, she's working. I think she's doing what the material is asking of her. I just don't really like what the material is asking of her. But, you know, I don't hate her. Uh, And then, yeah, I think that I like Gail. I've always liked Gail. I liked Kirby. As I said, I didn't really think much of Quinn or Ethan um, and Annika, I immediately clocked her as a red shirt uh, when she showed up. And I, I liked the cop, uh, the father, for, you know, when I was supposed to be liking him. I thought that he was a compelling and sympathetic character. And then set pieces. I, I just really like how 
what fallible Ghostface is as an antagonist. Mm -hmm. You know, unlike Michael Myers, who's this unstoppable killing machine, he's basically a slightly slower moving Terminator. Um, And same for Jason Voorhees of what little I've seen of that series. They're both like these supernatural forces of nature, whereas Ghostface feels a lot more human. And yeah, over the across the series, he takes an absolute beating. And A, I think that's very funny. And B, uh, I just think that it makes the set pieces, you know, when he's attacking someone, feel much more believable and much more visceral. Like, people are actually fighting back and bashing him over the head with stuff and throwing bikes and junk into his path, and he's tripping all over himself because he's wearing an idiotic robe. Um, (laughs) And that just makes more sense than somebody just kind of running away from a slow-moving Michael Myers who somehow, like, teleports to where they are to completely eviscerate them. And, And yeah, but though... I really liked the set pieces in this one. I thought that they were creative, like the one where they're trying to escape the apartment over the ladder. Or they just had cool moments, like um, Gale's redialing Ghostface, or uh, all the times, man, Chad beats the snot out of Ghostface when they're in the, they're in this, like, big museum that someone has made to, I think it was Richie. Uh, to as a dedication to the the different ghost faces, and he <laughs> he just beats the snot out of Ghostface with all kinds of implements that are in the museum, and I just think it's so funny and fun and cool and yeah, and all of that is very authentically Scream, and that's yeah, that's why that's why I really like it. I dislike it because I hate fun and I can't stand people enjoying things. No, those are fair. And again, I'm just more, I don't want to say more critical because I don't think you're not being critical of the movie. I'm just more um, smart, I think maybe. (laughs) I'm just, the thing that I really like about Scream, I do find them enjoyable for the reason that you said, but I very much love subversion and kind of meta elements of movies and seeing how like, oh, what this movie did was cool because like, here's the history of the genre and stuff like, um, I watched Friday the 13th this weekend after I saw Scream 7 or Scream 6. Well, yeah, it wasn't very good, but it does influence, like, the fact that Sydney sleeps with Billy and then survives is the final girl in the original Scream is a very cool meta sort of thing. Because typically the people who survived horror movies were the virgin, typically. So Sydney explicitly not being that and then surviving was a really cool meta sort of moment and i love meta stuff like that which i think the franchise has done somewhat good with in the past and i just think this movie was kind of disappointing in terms of the meta elements that it was just another scream movie for as good or as bad as that sort of is so i think i just come to the franchise looking for something slightly different so it was a bit more disappointing to me I guess that I, I wanted it to innovate more and it didn't. Yeah. I mean, all jokes aside, that is often what lies at the heart of our disagreements on movies. I'm not saying that this is a general, general thing, but usually Nathan and I, when we disagree on a movie, it's because we're looking for different things or we want different things from that movie. So like, Nathan really dislikes The Big Lebowski because he wants there to be a point to the surrealist, uh, uh, non-sequitur comedy, whereas I'm just sort of along for the ride with that stuff. So that, you know, that's another example of that. Um, We're sort of wrapping up here, but I do want to shout out that I appreciate that this movie takes the kind of 
Jordan Peele Halloween reboot approach to cinematography. I really dislike horror movies that are shot with a very deliberate eye towards everything appearing grungy or dirty or just nasty. That's more of like a early 2000s thing. I think the genre has moved away from that a lot in recent years. But I, I really prefer well-lit, slickly shot movies like this that do away with, you know, shaky cam or rapid zooms or extreme close-ups of gruesome imagery. I, I, I like things that are more, yeah, slick. And I do think that this movie is pretty slick looking. Yeah, and I'm, uh, you know, for all of my critiques that I've said of this movie, I think the creative team behind it is really cool. It's the same two directors, a team of directors, I guess, that are behind this one and the previous one, Scream 5. And I'm really excited for Scream 7 because I think with a more interesting script, I think the technical elements are going to be there, and I think they can deliver a really cool exciting innovation of the franchise if they want to or we'll get another you know boilerplate plate scream movie where everyone inexplicably survives which will annoy me but i'll still go and you know laugh at the jokes <laughs> but yeah i definitely agree we haven't talked a lot about the technical elements but the cinematography is cool the lighting is good it's all very slick just like you said yeah, there's not a whole lot to talk about in terms of the technical elements. Uh, it looks good. It sounds good. Music is nothing to write home about, but that's always been the case uh, for these movies. It doesn't have a really iconic score in the same way that something like Psycho does uh, or Halloween. But uh, yeah, um, don't think I have anything else. What about you? No, let's uh, let's uh, give some ratings. Okay, so I'll go first since my opinion is the more legitimate and grounded one, of course. Um, I, for the reasons I've stated, um, I think this is a really good Scream movie. Honestly, I, th I, I think this is a really good movie. I enjoyed it a lot. I had a lot of fun with it. I thought it was really funny. I'm really... <laughs> Shadow is going insane. Uh, I really like the characters. I'm excited to see more of the Carpenter sisters, more of the core four uh, so I'm going to give it, <coughs> excuse me, I'm going to give it a B plus. All right. Well, uh, I enjoyed this too. I had a fun time. I was glad I finally got to see a screen movie in theaters after watching the last four, uh, at home. But yeah, for a lot of the reasons I said, it wasn't as exciting or inventive as I think, especially a franchise that's kind of built on invention and creativity. It was disappointing to watch. It was disappointing to watch a version that was not as exciting and inventive. So I've been juggling back and forth on this. I think I'm probably going to go like a 6.5 out of 10. I mean, it's a decent, it's still a decent movie. It's better than, you know, some of the really terrible movies I've seen. There wasn't any moment that I hated necessarily while watching it, but I just don't see myself unless I'm doing like a scream rewatch, uh, going back to this particular one, I'd probably go back to scream one or scream four. So, well, before we do recommendations, do we want to give our our rankings of the Scream movies? Absolutely. I think that would be very fun. So I guess I sort of spoiled it here, but mine would go one, four, two, five, six, three, probably. So again, you know, this one's second to last in my ranking, but I still think this is a pretty solid thing. I think this is definitely maybe the best horror franchise because it doesn't have an entry where it's like, you know, ghost faces, some crazy voodoo doll thing or some cult magic is imbibing him with powers. Like it's all fairly grounded. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> mine is one, two, four, six, five, three. Yes. 
Four's moving up. Four was not third last time I heard this ranking. <laughs> it was not. Nathan Nathan really likes four, and I like it a, a lot as well. You know, I like Nathan, I well, even more so than Nathan, I really like, except for the third one, which I think is kind of mediocre. I really like all of these movies. So for me, five's place at at near the bottom is by no means indicative of it it being like a bad movie or anything. But no, Nathan really likes four a lot, uh, and I liked it as well. But he did sort of once he explained to me why he liked it, he did kind of talk me around to it as a movie. That's awesome. But yeah, one is right. easily the best. Yeah, well, you're never. I. It would be really hard for them to top one. I think. But uh, if you're looking for maybe a movie that's just as good, Elliot, what is your recommendation? For someone who watched this movie and wants to watch another horror movie uh, in a similar sort of vein or just another horror movie. Um, yeah, so this was kind of hard to do because I always I I feel like I am much more concerned with recommending movies that are rigidly similar to the subjects than you are. Um, and that's hard to do for Scream because not a whole lot of movies are doing what Scream is doing. Like, there are other movies that satirize genres, but I feel like that's not enough when you're dealing with horror movies. You know, if you're just looking for a satire, watch Galaxy Quest. It's it's a satire of Star Trek. You'll be fine. Um, so, in the end, I decided to go for uh, a horror movie that's, A, not all that scary, B, um, inventive and, uh, you know, sort of there's thought put into it and B, I'd already did B. So C, uh, one that's funny. Um, not as funny as Scream, but Get Out is a funny movie at times. So if you're like, you have almost certainly already heard of Get Out. It's Jordan Peele's directorial debut. It's a horror movie about a young black man with a white girlfriend who goes to visit her family for the first time. And I don't want to spoil it if you haven't seen it, but some shenanigans ensue. And uh, it ends up being uh, not quite the the weekend getaway that he was hoping for, obviously. It is a horror movie. <laughs> but yeah, this movie isn't all that scary, Uh, it's definitely not very, it's not super violent or anything. It's not very graphic. I think it was most applauded for the care that was put into it. There are a lot of Easter eggs and hints as to what's going on in the movie that definitely make it very rewatchable. Daniel Kaluuya plays the main character. He's a fantastic actor. He does a great job here. The whole cast does a great job. Um, a lot of people really liked its new take on racism, the kind of racism of, uh, like, smug, self-satisfied, very performatively anti-racist, affluent white liberals, which this movie is very critical of. And that's where a lot of the humor comes from, is the ways that the white people sort of try to the lengths that they go to to convince Daniel Kaluuya that they're on his side or something. They often, they're making a lot of really cringe-inducing references to, like, rappers, different rappers, or uh, Jesse Owens, or Barack Obama, and it's all very funny and very believably cringy. And yeah, we've reviewed Nope, and they're in... We mentioned that we're not as big on the Jordan Peele hype train as other people, but I do think in light of Get Out, it makes sense that he was, that his star rose as fast as it did, because Get Out is very, very good. For sure. And yeah, it's just a great movie. He won, I think, best original screenplay at the Oscars for it, and I think it's definitely deserved. It's one of the most clever sort of screenplays in the way it messes with horror things as well is pretty cool. Another movie with a great screenplay that did not get nominated, unfortunately, is last year's Bodies, Bodies, Bodies uh, from 
A24. Uh, it didn't make a huge splash when it came out. It was overshadowed by another A24 movie that won Best Picture last week. <laughs> but this is uh, some friends, some teenagers, some you know 20-somethings get together at one of their mansions on the eve of a hurricane. And uh, when the hurricane hits, they're pretty much completely cut off from the rest of the world. And then, you know, murder ensues. It's a horror movie. But I think the highlight here is the actors all do a fantastic job of portraying just the most annoying like Gen Z or Gen whatever Gen that is, sort of stereotypes that they're all so shallow, they're annoying, they all have podcasts, and we hate people with podcasts. Yes, we do. And they're just all terrible people. And so it's funny to see them kind of fall apart as they're trying to figure out who the killer is and who they can trust and who they can't trust. It's a bit of a whodunit. And I think the screenplay is just fantastic. There's so many monologues where they're just screaming at each other the funniest insults that I can't repeat because they all have a fair amount of cursing in it. But they're just very funny the way they insult each other and what they think of as like, oh, this is such a horrible thing to say about another person. Like, Oh, you're upper middle class. What a terrible person you must be. Um, it's just a very fun, fun movie. So I think it's very, very much like Scream in that sense. Since apparently I don't hew close enough to the films we're reviewing for Elliot. Uh, well, not for nothing, but this film that hews very close to the film that you're reviewing, you're recommending on my recommendation. Yeah, that is true. Uh, No, I have not seen Bodies, 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 uh, although I know the plot, um, and I I really like what I've heard about it uh, and what I've seen of it, because I've seen a few clips. So I assume that Nathan is right in his recommendation, but I I can't speak to that personally. What I can speak to personally is that life is hard and full of disappointments. Great. Good. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, one of those disappointments is never the Magellans at the movies. So thank you for listening well, to yet another episode. We'll be back next week with another mo- movie. Uh, we'll review, we'll bring you recommendations. We'll bring you some delightfully witty, witty banter. It'll be a great time. We'll see you next week. <laughs>